the word merciful as someone who has compassion for other people, especially when he is in a position to punish them or treat them harshly. Merciful. I uh, catch myself from time to time thinking of someone, perhaps they've done something unchristlike, and in my mind I'm thinking, what in the world were you thinking? And sometimes I'm very judgmental. Is anyone else like that? And I don't know all the facts, and I make a, a judgment not knowing all the facts. And uh, sometimes I treat people harshly in my mind, and uh, I, I don't think that's what Christ wants us to do. Why is it important to be merciful? Why is it important to be merciful? You know, I think, first of all, it resembles Jesus. I'd like to ask you to turn a couple places, just, just by way, and we'll... we'll this will become clear here in a moment, but Hebrews, if you turn to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, I would like you to see something as we talk about this just briefly. Hebrews chapter 2, and verse 17. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So this text tells us that Jesus had to be made like we are when he became a man so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest. If you turn over just a page, it's a page in my Bible. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, he says this, For we do not have a high priest, still speaking of Jesus, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Everything that you will ever be tempted with, Jesus Christ was tempted with. Yet he was without sin. So not only as Savior and Lord and Sovereign and knowing everything can he say he truly knows how you feel, but he'll also say he knows how you feel because he was tempted in every way You've been, you will be tempted. He understands us. He sees us for who we are. And when we are merciful, when we show compassion on people, even when we can let them have it, when we show compassion on people, we are being most like Jesus Christ. Isn't that what it means to be a Christian? I mean, today we live in a land where if you watch the television... You're going to get two sides to everything. Everything is drama. There's a fight in everything. You can't even watch a football game without there being drama and a bunch of drama leading up to it because of social media, one posting this, one posting that. It's drama everywhere we go. It's drama everywhere we go. And what the world needs to see is they don't need to see more drama. They need to see more mercy. Do you know that the Bible says that God's mercy endures forever? If you would read the uh, 136th Psalm, all those Psalms, just about all the verses of that Psalm ends when His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures forever. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are merciful to us? Aren't you glad that he didn't just say, well, that was the stupidest thing you've ever done? Pow, you're dead. He could have. He's God. 
So it is important for us to be merciful ourselves because it resembles Jesus. And if we're going to be like Jesus, then we should resemble Jesus. We should do the things that Jesus does. We should be the things that Jesus is. Not only is it important to be merciful because it resembles Jesus, number two, it's important to be merciful because we will receive mercy. In this text, it's very clear, those who receive mercy are the ones who give mercy. This is the way it is. It's interesting that Jesus said something in in, in the Gospels one time, and I thought it was amazing. And we don't like to talk about this. Jesus was telling people, telling the disciples not to judge others. And he said this, With what measure you meet, it will be measured unto you. That is the principle. You've heard this, haven't you? What goes around comes around. Well, Jesus' way of saying it is not what goes around comes around. Jesus' way of saying it is with what, pe- what measure you measure to judge other people, it's going to be used to judge you. It will be brought to your standard. And the world does not need to see Christians say, do as I say, but rather do as I do as I follow Christ. So it's very important that as believers in Christ that we are merciful. Yet, it seems like even in Christendom, the preachers who scream and fight the most, who are devoid of mercy, seem to have a bigger platform. You ever notice that sometimes Christians are downright rude and ignorant over traditions that mean nothing in the Scripture? There's a person to which I'm, 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 I've had a conversation with via messenger. Had an extended conversation. He and his family were hurting two churches, two churches, over meaningless stuff. Meaningless stuff. Someone chose to die on a hill that was stupid and it wasn't worth dying over. And a whole family is not in church because of it. What we need, we need some men and women who are merciful. Do you know that the Bible teaches us, that Romans chapter 2 teaches us, that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance? It's the goodness of God. Yet, what do we do? We focus on the negative. We pound you. And sometimes, as a pastor, we're always telling you what's wrong with your life. And we're never telling you who you are in Christ. We're never telling you all the benefits and blessings you have in Christ. We never tell you about the characteristics and the fruit of the Spirit. We always just want to be piling on you. But what our world needs is mercy. And most importantly, we need mercy because God says we need mercy. What are some things that keep me from being merciful? Well, number one, the very first thing that will keep you and I from being merciful is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. We live in a very narcissistic, self-centered society. I've watched some young people walk to a store and open the door, and right behind them was perhaps an elderly person on a walker, And they just let the door slam and and, and don't help them. You say, well, that's just manners. That's not really 
Christianity, but let me tell you something. It's devoid of mercy is what it is. It's self-centered is what it is. I, uh, anybody struggle with road rage? Anybody in here tell the truth? I'm just, just, just asking. Um, you know, I'll be in the car sometime, and, I, and I'm trying to get somewhere, and there'll be someone going 35, and they're enjoying the radio's down, their window's down, the radio's on, and they're just cruising along being safe. And I'm thinking, why do you have, this is not Sunday. This is not a day for a Sunday afternoon drive. Would you get out of my way? I have to get to Walmart. Like Walmart's going to leave, right? And, and I think sometimes how self-centered I am, and it's just as a goofy illustration, but it, it, it's to the point, the attitude of myself. You've heard the acronym JOY, J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's what Jesus does. Jesus, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. He came to serve. But one of the things that will surely keep me from being merciful is self-centeredness. Another thing, self-righteousness. When I look at someone and I say, I would never do that, that's self-righteousness. That's foolish. Why is their sin any more grotesque than my sin? Sin is sin. And we look at other people and we don't do exactly what they do, but yet we have issues in our own lives. We are not being merciful. Have you ever been around someone who was very self-righteous? You couldn't even carry on a conversation because they were so self-righteous and it just makes you sick to your stomach. Have you ever been around that? I mean, it's just, blah. I mean, it's like, hey, just, can you just say hello? Oh, bless God, I'm, I'm reading, giving, doing, blah, blah, blah. Well, bless your heart. Self-righteousness is yuck. And it will keep us from being merciful. Number three, sin will keep us from being merciful. Sin will keep us from being merciful. Has anyone ever noticed about your own life that you're able to spot things you do in other people more easily than you can spot them in your own life? You ever notice that? I have. You see, sin will take our eyes off the standard of Christ and sin puts our eyes on our own fleshly desires and causes us to be devoid of mercy. So what can I do to become merciful? Well, before I tell you that, I'd like to take you to and show you two examples in Scripture of merciful. I'd like to ask you to go with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. I want you to see something because the Bible is very, very good at giving us Actual illustrations of what the Lord is teaching us. In John chapter 8, you've heard the story, but I want you to just follow along with me. and Just get, in, get enwrapped in the story and see what's going on. John chapter 8, verse 1. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. 
Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, in the very act. They had to be clear that he understood that it was in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. I want you to think about this. Not only are they taking this woman and they're judging her and she was caught in the act of adultery. I'm not minimizing what she did. I am not saying that she should not have uh, been called out on it. But they're not wanting to restore this woman. In their mind, they're going to go ahead and kill her. But as a bonus, they're going to kill Jesus too. They're going to test him, and he's going to fail their test because these self-righteous, self-centered, smug, religious people think they have Jesus. And that's the, that's the background. That's what's going on right here. This they said, verse 6, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Now I find this fascinating. This is my speculation, but I just wonder if Jesus stooped down in the crowd and he began to write names of the men standing there with stones that had been with that woman. Or that who men that him, themselves had been caught in the act of adultery. And he begins to just write in the, in the dirt and he acts like he doesn't hear them. Verse 7. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who was without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now this is not what the self-righteous wanted to hear. The self-righteous wanted to hear, well, the law says stoner, stoner. And I, no doubt in my mind they would have said, well, Jesus, why don't you throw the first stone to test him to see what he would do. But Jesus says this little phrase, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Now, I can see these guys with stones in their hands, looking at Jesus, looking at the woman, looking at the ground, seeing their name, thinking, uh-oh. Some said, oh, I turned to page too far. Let me go back. Verse 8. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Now here's what I want you I want to see this. I want to show you this. By their own omission, they are admitting that they have sin in their own lives. Right? They were convicted. Their conscience was convicted. They have sin in their life. They're not looking at their sin. They're looking at her sin because when they look at her sin, they don't see their sin. And when you look through the eyes of compassion, the compassion of Jesus Christ, we look at someone like her and we see our own sinfulness and we look at her with mercy and compassion. 
Not that we want to stone her, but that we want her to repent and be freed from the bondage and penalty of sin. When Jesus had raised up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, that's the way our English translated, go and sin no more. Actually translated out of the Greek, it would say something more like this, leave your life of sin. Leave your life of sin. Jesus turns and speaks to them and begins to tell them, I'm the light of the world. He goes on to the sermon. Now, here's the point I want to make. We don't know whatever happened to this woman. We don't know. We know what happened to the men. They were convicted. They left. And Jesus tells her he doesn't condemn her. He has the power to condemn or not to condemn. He says he doesn't. Because he had mercy and compassion on her. Before we pick up our stones and start throwing at her because she was an adulteress, let's remember the sin that you and I have committed. I am in no way able to throw a stone at anyone. No way, no how. This, my friends, is a positive example of what it means when Jesus says... Be merciful. Jesus was merciful. Jesus could have said stone her, and they would have stoned her. They were waiting. They were jumping at the chance. But he gave her mercy. Now I'd like to show you a negative example. Would you go back to Matthew chapter 18? Matthew chapter 18. I think sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words. In Matthew chapter 18 and verse 21, the Bible says this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. It always cracks me up. When everybody preaches this, they do the math. Right? You cannot be shackled by the shekel when you study the Bible. I mean, I can see someone saying, okay, 7 times 70, all right, that's a 490, whatever. I can go up to 490. You missed the point. You've missed the whole point. I don't know if that's right. I just guess, and I'm not good at math. But he goes on and he says this. Therefore, verse 23, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant, are you ready, was moved with compassion. He was merciful. Released him 
and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. And he would not, but he had him thrown in prison till he should pay the debt. So when this fellow servant saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then this master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if you, each of you from his own heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Do you know what we call that story? The unmerciful servant. Why? Because in his self-centeredness, in his self-righteousness, in his sin, he forgot what he had been forgiven of, and he went a small pennies compared to what he owed. He had someone owe him, and he had him thrown in jail until he could pay. I mean, he did not have one bit of compassion on that man. The unmerciful servant. There's two examples. Jesus, full of love and compassion. The unmerciful servant, full of anger, self-centeredness, and had no mercy whatsoever. In most of our dealings with people, we have the opportunity to be like Christ or to be like the unmerciful servant. There are some of you sitting in here that someone's wronged you 20 years ago and you haven't forgotten it. There's a, there's a, I think it's a, a Japanese proverb that says, if, if a man seeks revenge, dig two holes. One for them and one for you because it will eat you alive and kill you. There are people who look at someone because they said something tarse to them. They said something that hurt their feelings years ago and they haven't gotten over it. There's someone who's done something, someone who has kids that have done something and you look at their kids and you say they're evil and blah, 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 blah. I remember I was at Abundant Life Baptist Church and I was just a kid and there was a missionary that came in and, you know, missionaries to be, back then to be qualified to be a missionary, you had to like have like five kids. And um, I remember one person had said to that missionary about his kids because, you know, they were kids. He said, if they were my kids, I'd wear them out. And that missionary said, if they were your kids, I'd wear them out too. <laughs> that was kind of funny. But... And here I am talking about mercy, right? <laughs> Bad illustration. Um, the point I want to make is, guys, we look at people, and they're just people. None of us are different than anyone else. 
Our land is so divided today. Republicans hate Democrats. Democrats hate Republicans. It's in the families, splitting the families up. And what we need is some mercy. The, the, uh, the, the politicians can incite uh, all kinds of bad behavior, get us, the country all stirred up and fighting each other. And they're supposed to be examples. They're supposed to be servants of this country. Preachers who start controversies so that they can be out in front and lead the controversy and get notoriety and fame. None of that stuff is good in God's eyes. God says, you want to talk something that I take note of when you show mercy on someone. You show mercy on someone. We have every day, example after example after example, that we could show mercy. That we could be blessed because we are merciful. Guys, we've got to stop asking God to bless what we're doing and just start doing what God blesses. And right here he says, blessed are the merciful. If someone can wrong you and you can look through the eyes of Jesus Christ and say, it's all right. I forgive you, man. No big deal. And, and you can go home and sleep at night like a baby or you can go home and fume over what they said. What they said might not even be true. You could be all torn up inside. You're not blessed. Just be merciful. Just have compassion. Do you know that wounded dogs bite? And wounded people respond many times from a hurtful response. It's not who they are. It might be what they're going through that you don't know. That I don't know. I mean, would any of us want God to take our sins and put them up here on this screen for everybody to see? That poor woman that was caught in the act of adultery was in front of everyone. Now, she was wrong, and did Jesus condone her behavior? No. He dealt with the sin. He said, leave your life of sin. But he didn't call her husband. He didn't call her a bunch of names. He had compassion on her. So what can I do to be more like Jesus and become merciful? Well, number one, I can remember that I need mercy. I need mercy. Galatians chapter 6, you, we've heard in Baptist churches before. And people have often said, you know, this is what we need to do. Listen, Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, listen, if you're going to go help someone get their life back on track, you don't go self-righteous and you don't go self-centeredly. You go 
understanding that you too are broken. And you go in the spirit of meekness and gentleness, considering yourself that you could be right there, right there alongside them. I need the mercy of Jesus Christ every day of my life. I I had to learn this the hard way, and I've said it before. Guys, listen. When we say things about people, we forget they have parents. Someone might be caught in a a, uh, homosexual lifestyle, and we might make comments about it, but we forget that behind every child is a praying mother and father who are pouring their heart out to God, who are crying for mercy and help. We see an unfortunate individual who's addicted to drugs out here in the community and we look at them and we we look at them through the eyes of our never having to struggle with that and we look down on them and we don't see the family that's ravished behind them. And how that there are parents who are broken who would give everything, even their lives, to have their children taken out of that situation. And they need mercy. I am so thankful that Shawnee Hills Baptist Church is full of merciful people. That any kind of sinner can walk through those doors. And we will give them mercy and compassion and point them to Jesus Christ. And shame on us if we ever become a self-righteous church that looks down on sinners. Because every one of us are sinners. So if I'm going to become merciful, I have to realize that I need mercy. Number two, I have to relinquish my right to retaliate. Remember when I told you what the, the meaning of merciful was? Someone who has compassion for other people, especially when he is in a position to punish them or treat them harshly. The whole point of merciful is when someone comes at you and you have the ability to come back at them, but you don't. Keith Matheny grew up in a denomination. He wasn't Baptist when he was first saved and growing up in life. And in their denomination, they had a pastor. And everybody loved this pastor. Everybody loved that pastor. And... One time they were having a fellowship of some sort and some men were around and someone asked him, so why does everybody love you, that pastor? And he said, I'll tell you why everyone loves me. Because I never hit back. You know what? You know what he was saying? He's merciful like Christ. He's merciful like Christ. I relinquish my right to retaliate. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay thee. Leave it to God. Let it go. Does anybody in here ever struggle with having to bear something you would like to let go, but you just can't let it go? We all do, don't we? Just let it go. You know, the Bible tells us to cast all our cares on Him, for He cares for you. Relinquish it. I have no right to do it. I have no right to retaliate. Now, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself. But I'm a, fi- I'm a fighter by nature. I do not say that. Uh, I say that ashamedly. I want to be more like Jesus. 
So I remember I need mercy. I relinquish my right to retaliate. Number three, I resist the devil. Resist the devil, the Bible says, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. You know what the devil wants? The devil wants you fighting, fuming, fussing, disrupted. Dis, I mean, he just wants you so in discord. He wants you torn up. He wants you remembering things that happened 34 years ago. He wants you to regurgitate on it. He wants to destroy you. Just resist him. Just say no. Just say no. I remember hearing a story of a humble man. He was a sincere man. He didn't think he was something. He was humble. He did the best he could. He knew that he was not very educated. And someone came to him and publicly ridiculed him. I mean, they raked him through the coals from everything from his, his intellect to his speaking ability. I mean, to his motives. They just destroyed him. But because he was a humble person and because he was merciful... He looked at that person in the eye and he said, you know what? You're 100% right. Would you pray for me? And stole that other person's thunder. What's he going to say in front of everyone else? I ain't going to pray for you, you idiot. No, he's not going to do that. You know the Bible says a soft answer turneth away wrath. It would do good to revisit some Proverbs. Number four, I just, I just wanted these all to start with R. When I was growing up, all the good preachers alliterated everything, you know. And this one kind of just fell in, return to the Lord. Let me tell you this. I am learning that the deficiencies I have in my life are simply because I don't spend enough time with Christ. I spend too much time in the world, too much time with worldly things, and I don't spend enough time with Christ. If I want to become more compassionate, I need to spend time with Christ who is compassion. I need to spend more time with God who is mercy. I need, I need to get close to the Lord. I find that the closer I am to the Lord, the more well-behaved I am. Is anyone else like that? When I was a kid, when my dad was around, I was well-behaved. When my dad wasn't around, I was not well-behaved. You all know what I'm saying? Anybody else fear your parents? When I was growing up, I feared my parents. And I told you all before, when you got the little finger, you knew you were in trouble. Not the middle finger, the little finger. The little, he's got his pointer finger on his left hand cut off. And when that one came out, he's right-handed. When that one came out, I knew I was in trouble. Because this one proceeded with the belt and this one. Get close to the Lord. Please hear me out. Please hear me out. This is a struggle moment by moment of every day. The devil is trying to pull you away from your relationship with Christ. The devil don't care if you come to church fuming mad. He wants you that way because you're not going to worship the Lord. You're not going to get anything out of the service. He wants you thinking about someone sitting on this side and what they're wearing and, and what they said and what they did and what they posted on Facebook and this. He wants you doing all that. You know why? Because you're not worried about your relationship to him. He wants you to have your mind all discombobulated, focused on everything else under the sun rather than on Him and worshiping Him. And the closer you get to God, the more like Jesus you will become. And that is our goal. That is our goal.
the merciful are happy because they have learned to pass on to others the mercy they have received from the Lord. If you will pass the mercy that you have been given on to others, you will be happy. And they can say whatever they want to say about you. We talk about this. Well, I don't care what anybody says. That's the biggest lie. Everybody in their world cares about what people say. They say that, but they, they, they really do care. But isn't it more important what God thinks of us? And what God says about us? You know what I'm learning? I don't always have to be the judge. I don't always have to be in control. I don't always have to have the answer. All I need is a little bit of Christ's compassion. And I'll be just fine. But when I get off on my tangents and I start thinking self-righteously and I start thinking all this other stuff, then I'm setting myself up for a fall. And a lot of people, listen to me, a lot of Christians are being tormented by their own minds and their own flesh because they simply will not yield to the Holy Spirit and be merciful. And they wallow in their misery rather than being merciful and showing compassion and focusing on Christ. So there's two options really. One to be like Jesus or to be like the unmerciful servant. There's no gray area. It's Jesus or not. Compassion or not. Merciful or not. We can't be somewhat merciful. We like to define the gray areas and live right there. But what we need is to be like Jesus. The merciful are happy because they have learned to pass on to others the mercy they have received from the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just ask you one question? In the instances when you're not merciful, would you want Jesus to respond to you the way you respond to others? I don't. I need to start responding to others like Jesus would respond to them and then I'm going to know happiness. Right? That's true happiness. The merciful are happy because they have learned to pass on to others the mercy they have received from the Lord. Can we pray?